Hello and welcome to Perhaps It's You, an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast hosted by me, Samantha. And I'm Liz. And you're one of our five listeners. We have five listeners to this great show, which is paradoxically the number one podcast on iTunes. It's amazing. You know Thanks how we're for on like a weird timeline? Things have gotten so weird that both of those things can be possible. Sure. Why not? I mean... You can just say anything now, so... Yeah. We're the number one podcast on iTunes. Prove us wrong. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it is October 14th in Minnesota. And what's happening? Yeah, you can probably guess. It's snowing. God damn it. We're not into it. No, do we start so off mad. every podcast talking about the weather? We sure as fuck do, because this is the Midwest, and it changes all the time, and it's always weird and terrible yesterday was sunny and beautiful and i was outside gardening and today it's snowing and terrible yep i put on my clothes to walk the dogs and have already changed back into pajamas and a robe because fuck this shit pretty much yeah anyway that's kind of where we're at that's kind of a baseline of us sure we're gonna be talking about season three episode two today if you're following along on amazon prime brought to you by your evil overlords um, do we have any updates? Oh, I do have an update, actually. Let me find it. Uh, last last week on the podcast, I mentioned Rob Christofferson, who is our expert in all things aliens. He hosts the Our Strange Skies podcast, and he gave a small update on Instagram for our MVM of last week, oh. which was James or Jim Romanski. He, he had the... Um, the Chester BR card. Yes, the, the upper deck chin strap <laughs> you called it the bad idea which i think is a much better name for it you can go on instagram if you want to see that mustache it's like yeah sideburns that go across the cheeks to connect with the mustache it, it's what's weird about it is something you'd have to really work to maintain oh, for sure and it's terrible so he's like putting in work every day to get that look to get those perfect lines yeah, yeah. he was arrested for armed robbery oh I don't know when, okay. and I don't know the details. I was going to Google it, and I forgot. But apparently, it's one of the reasons that skeptics cast doubt on his claims. I don't really see how those two things are connected, but... I mean, not really. You could still see an alien. And I mean, is did he appear to be a xenophobic... Yeah, he, yeah, he did, but... He didn't seem like the the language expert that he wanted us to think he was. Right. Although um, he's seen Polish writing, Liz. <laughs> okay. Maybe he robbed a library to get that book <laughs> maybe yeah i was gonna ask what did he rob i don't like, know maybe, i should have looked it up and i didn't whatever but anyway that's a, you update could be on... a robber and see an, an alien that's true do we think he saw an alien i don't no, think he but... saw an alien i just i sort of find his criminal record irrelevant irrelevant but maybe not maybe that's how he got those books <laughs> So you can look at Chinese writing. Yeah. So thanks, Rob, for that nugget of information. My update was that while we were on break, I did the Twin Cities Zine Fest, and it was an absolute day of heaven. It seemed like a delight. That day, which was really not that long ago, the heat index was 100 degrees. (laughs) Anyway. It wasn't that long ago. No, it was not. (laughs) Like less than a month. Oh, my God. Um, But it was a really, honestly, lovely day where i just sat at a table and people came by and told me that my hair looked great and complimented my drawing sounds like a dream it was a dream come true so i just wanted to thank people who came by i know i can't don't know your real name i think but someone specifically on twitter who's one of the five came to see uh, me and that was like so weird and wonderful and great awesome so thank you also we got a package I didn't get it till yesterday. I'm not sure when you put it in the mail, but it's Paul and Amy, thank you. Thank you so much. For sending us the ghost story, Yellowstone ghost stories, ghost stories of Yellowstone, and a Bigfoot sticker. We will treasure them. We sure will. Have I not even shown it to Samantha yet? Maybe. <laughs> but I'll let her look at it. Don't worry. Yeah, it sounds delightful. I looked up. I looked it up on Goodreads. Uh, yeah. I should actually go get it just to read the back of it, because it's very funny. Oh, for sure. There's also apparently a book of Yellowstone deaths. That one sounded really interesting. Amy was mentioning it on our Facebook group. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny. So it gives you some, like, the Yellowstone ghost stories. Headless brides, undead spirits, mysterious sounds. Ooh. Ooh. Read these scary stories late at night around the campfire, if you dare. (laughs) 
Have you seen the little boy who appears and disappears among the tourists watching Old Faithful Geyser? Have you been visited young Maddie's grave along the banks of Firehole River and felt the ghostly presence of two star-crossed lovers? All right, I have some other examples. What I found really funny was... Is a frozen corpse still playing poker at Norris Ranger Station? I don't think so. I was like, no. I don't understand. I'm going to go with no. Also, a frozen corpse is not the same thing as a ghost? Like, I don't quite understand. (laughs) I'm guessing he froze to death, and they just, like, were like, we cannot put the word ghost on the back of this book one more time. (laughs) We're just going to call it a frozen corpse. I find that wording very confusing. And is the skeleton wrangler still saddling horses at Roosevelt Lodge? Like, alive horses or dead horses? Like, ghost horses? I don't know. But also, it's like, this person die and is a skeleton? Like, they're still working? <laughs> like, let them take a break. They, they're they dead. <laughs> they, they don't have to clock in anymore. <sighs> anyway. Well, thank you so much. That was a delightful <laughs> it, book. It really is. It was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, for sure. I think that's all of my updates. I didn't learn anything about our cases from last week. That's for damn sure. Nah. Mm -mm. So, let's start off episode two. We're on season three. We sure are. And we start out with a mysterious legends, and it's the Bermuda Triangle, folks. Did you think this segment was going to be more interesting than it was? I did, but I was also kind of happy with the ending. Yeah. Which I'll get to. But, yes, it was longer than it needed to be, for sure. I, as a child, I definitely thought the Bermuda Triangle was going to be more of a problem in adult life than it's turned out to be. Uh, And it just sounded, I got mysterious and fascinating and plays a big part in the Addams Family movie, so... I know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I've seen a lot of Bermuda Triangle documentaries, because they're just... They were always on, on, like, the History Channel, National Geographic, and so among Bermuda Triangle stories, this one's pretty boring, but... It seems like a weird one to focus on. I guess... I mean, it's, it's one of the more famous ones. Okay. But... And I did kind of find some of the investigation findings interesting, but... It's not as spooky as you want in a Bermuda Triangle mystery. I guess that's my problem. It's like very military and yes. not very... It's very logical. I, I guess I wanted like a ghost ship or something. And they really don't focus on the paranormal, which is both disappointing but also interesting to me. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm sorry we'll to there. interrupt you once again, so go ahead. I'd do it to you, so... Okay. So, Robert Stack tells us that the Bermuda Triangle has been called the Triangle of Death. Has it? And that I, I guess. I mean, in the last 75 years, we're told that over 100 ships and planes have been lost, totaling over 1,000 lives. That is a and lot. It's a relatively small area of the ocean, so, I mean, that does seem like a lot. The Triangle's most famous victims, according to Robert Stack, were five Avengers, uh, the five Avengers of Flight 19. An Avenger is a type of plane, if you're like me and you know nothing about planes. It's not like the a Marvel. Marvel movie. <laughs> it's not a Marvel character. No. In this case, it's a plane. So, Robert Stack starts out the segment in front of a bunch of planes on a yeah, runway. Yeah, didn't he look, like, really happy to be there? He seemed extremely happy. Robert Stack seems like the type of guy that has a bunch of model airplanes in a room in his house. I was wondering, yeah, does he have a plane, do you think? Oh, for sure. I don't want to look it up. But did he have, like, a pilot's license? And also, he seems like the kind of guy that on vacation makes you go to the small, like... <laughs> airplane museum? Airplane museum that's in whatever town you go to. But, like... Definitely. There's tons of little airplane museums out there that have, like, one plane or, like, one cannon or something. And, and on every road trip, you have to stop. Yeah, and then yep. he's, like, making his grandchildren, like... These were heroes, you know, like <laughs> respect them. They're like, you know, Why looking at their phones grandpa. and chewing gum. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Also, I want to know how they've accomplished this blue lighting effect. Yeah, season three is all about this this moody eerie, blue yep. light. So that's that's the stage here. Robert Stack says that the planes are said to have vanished inside some supernatural vortex and whisked away to another world. Does that mean another dimension? I don't know. I wish they went into that a little bit. But Does Robert they never Stack do. believe in the multiverse? <laughs> I'm gonna say no, but huh. maybe. A child the other day asked me if there was only one universe. What a deep question and then for I a gotta, child. I got to blow his mind by being, oh, some people believe there's more than one, and it's called the multiverse. Is that your dream come true, to explain the multiverse <laughs> to a small child? Where he's just like, just like what? <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Me, corrupting children wherever I go. So we meet John Meyer, who is an aviation expert and who has spent years researching Flight 19. Robert Stack says that Meyer has come up with a more down-to-earth explanation for the disappearance of Flight 19. Yeah, it is. It is. So for years, John Meyer has scrutinized Flight 19's flight path, radio transmissions, and even the weather on the day of the disappearance. The summer before the broadcast, Meyer used what Robert Stack calls the latest in modern technology to go on his fourth expedition looking for the wreckage of Flight 19. And by expedition, they mean like a submarine. Yeah. It's like with big bucks are going into this. A submarine with a robot arm. Yep. So in order to pinpoint the location of the wreck, John has recreated the flight. And we next get that story along with a reenactment. <laughs> So I, it's been a while since I took notes on this, and all my next statement is just extremely flat haircuts. This is in, well, in reference yeah. to the army guys in the reenactment that have, like, I don't know, did they use a level to get their hair that flat? I don't know. I feel like you would have to. Someone someone listening, you have an experience with a military barber. Let us know. <laughs> We're levels involved. Do they literally have a level to get from the, the hardware yeah. store? Uh, So, Lieutenant Charles Taylor was the flight leader, and he had logged over 2,500 hours as a naval aviator. Can we talk about this reenactment where you first see him, and he's wearing sunglasses and, like, strutting across the tarmac? (laughs) Like, he's hot stuff. Oh, yeah. It was quite quite the scene. uh, Unsolved Mysteries gifts. I would like a gif of that. (laughs) We're putting out a request right now. Yes. So he was basically an instructor at this flight school. He was asked he asked to be relieved on the day of the training flight. Flight nineteen was a train was the last training flight for a group of flight students. Um, but his request was denied. And in the reenactment we see him asking like the commanding officer Who's like super understanding yeah. and I'm guessing that's not how that went down. I think but. it probably wasn't. Because at least in the reenactment, uh, Lieutenant Charles Taylor is like, I don't know, I just don't feel good about this for some reason. And they're like, well... Which you wouldn't think would be an excuse that, like, these military guys would accept. But he was like, look, look, look I understand, but, but you're, you know, there's no one else available. here, and blah, blah, blah. We gotta get them out there today. Like, yep. they really were trying to accommodate his just, like, the I feel weird uneasy. feeling. Yeah. It's like, you should probably feel about uneasy about all the stuff the military makes you do, really. I mean, yeah. It's not going to be that safe. <laughs> so his request was denied. The planes left at 2.10 p.m. and they headed east. So they're headed east out of Flor- Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you're not familiar with the area where the Bermuda Triangle is, I don't know the other points of it, but um, they're going east away from Florida into the ocean. Yeah, it's like... Next to Florida, kind of pointing down as a triangle. Yep. So their scheduled route had them go 120 miles southeast, where they would complete a practice bomb drop. After that, they were supposed to head 73 miles northwest, and then 120 miles southwest, which would take them back to Fort Lauderdale. So you can imagine them kind of doing a loop and coming back to Florida after this exercise. So a woman named Diane Laws, who is a Flight 19 researcher, emphasizes that even though the flight consisted of four student pilots, that all of the pilots were well qualified and in fact had more flight hours than what what would be required of a commercial airline pilot. So it's not like these were rookies. This was actually their last like exercise before they graduated whatever program they were going through. Right. So they weren't inexperienced and they also had this very experienced pilot instructor with them. Um, So radio transmissions confirmed that they successfully completed their practice bomb drop. However, at 3.10 p.m., so this is an hour later, during the second leg of the mission, Taylor's compass began to malfunction. Taylor, again, is the instructor. He believed that they were off course, flying over the Florida Keys. However, it is believed that the planes were actually over the Abaco Islands in the Bahamas. From the air, the two island chains are very similar in appearance. And if you watch the Unsolved Mysteries segment, you get a lot of helpful maps that kind of shows you where he right. believed he was and where they think he actually was. Basically, they weren't really that off course. No, in fact, they probably weren't off course at all, but his compass was malfunctioning. Yeah. And I know there's like a lot of theories about why these compasses malfunction in the Bermuda Triangle. They don't go into it in the segment, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Robert and I Stack, didn't look it up, but. Let's talk about some magnets. How do they work? <laughs> Nice ICP reference. <laughs> I just want, we all want that bonus where Samantha sings that whole song. Uh, you, can, you can want whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> we need a lot more Patreon dollars before that's happening. 
So Taylor ordered that the planes fly northeasterly, which would have taken them home if they were over the Florida Keys. However, since they were probably over the Abaco Islands, the northeasterly direction took them farther out into the Atlantic Ocean. No! And here's the thing. His students were telling him that they weren't lost because their compasses were working just fine, but he didn't believe them. And so they were like, hey, we think you're taking us in the wrong direction. And he's like, no, 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 no. And so basically they're flying into the away from Florida into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. I wonder if him being like, I'm not feeling well. Like, I wonder if he was, I don't know, getting like a head cold or something. There was some speculation that he maybe was out drinking the night before. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, But either way, it seemed like based on his asking to be relieved from this job that he was something wasn't up with right with him. Yeah. You know, he was either yeah mentally in the wrong place, or he wasn't feeling well, or what whatever the reason may be. It's too bad that, you know, obviously it's the military, and they need to be loyal to this dude, but if they had all followed their own compasses, they could have gone home. I know. And it, yeah, it's that chain of command thing where they basically, and in the segment they said this, that the students didn't want to disobey their instructor, the guy who was Such above them bummer. in rank. Yeah. And literally, if they had just gone west, they would have gotten home. But instead, what basically ends up happening is that they fly around aimlessly until they run out of gas. Okay. That must have been so terrifying. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like, based on the few like radio transmissions that they received, because they were there was like spotty radio transmissions back and forth from like the, yeah. the base or whatever, and then the planes, that they were really scared. And yeah, it sounds like just oh, an awful, awful situation. So by 5 p.m. it was dark and the weather had worsened. In one of the last communications heard from the planes, one of the pilots mentioned that they had to turn west or else they would run out of fuel and crash. It is believed that Taylor finally listened to the other pilots and had them go west towards the Florida coast. However, all of the planes apparently ran out of fuel before they made it to land. So by the fi- time he finally listened, they it was too late. That's so tragic. I know. It's really, really sad. So it appears that Lieutenant Lieutenant Taylor's miscalculation of location is at least partially to blame for the disappearance of the five planes and crews. Crew, despite one of the largest ever ocean searches, no trace of the planes or the 14 missing crew members was ever found. During the search, 13 men were lost when a PBM Mariner flying boat exploded mid-air while searching for Flight 19. Oh, no! So it was even doubly tragic. No. And this only adds to the legend, right, of the Bermuda yeah. Triangle because these things keep happening. It's like how every time Samantha comes to my house, something breaks. <laughs> we think I might be cursed. Yeah, tell them what happened last night. So you may recall when we were recording the Halloween special last year that I broke the handle off my fridge and also <laughs> ruined a quiche at like the same time. Yeah, that was the same day that we accidentally like messed up the recording and had to do it twice. Yeah. Yeah, it was so, rough. That was a cursed day. And that was like a year ago. Yeah. So yesterday, Samantha was here. I was prepping some food, cutting up some Brussels We were sprouts. having a nice get-together with some of our friends. And uh, the door to my oven just shattered. It literally exploded. And glass was everywhere. And it turns out that part of your oven door is just like fucking foil, which what? Tin foil. Make and better like, oven doors. Yeah, it was so weird because we're sitting in the kitchen and... It's like her oven just self-destructed. And it took us a minute. We both just stared at it like, what? What, what just fuck? happened? Yeah, it was wild. I, I didn't even know that could happen. Yeah, apparently. Barely can. I Yeah, it's just something that happens. Glass is weird. Glass is weird. The Brussels sprouts never got roasted. I know. They're in the freezer now. So. So sad. Anyway. I, I might be some, cursed. Maybe I it's this time of year. I don't know. Maybe you have a ghost. Because these things don't happen when she's not around. Yeah, it might be me. Thanks a lot. So you owe me an oven door. <laughs> I'll get right on that. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Take my plight seriously. It is. I mean, R.I.P. Liz's oven. Yeah, I have to have the doggy door in front of it now, so the dogs don't eat the insulation that's in there. Also, there's insulation in your oven door. Yeah, it's weird. It's quite weird. Okay, over the years, several attempts were made to find the bombers, but resources were never really made available. Several Avenger bomber planes have have been located, sunk in deep water off the Florida coast, but none of them have ever matched the five planes from Flight 19. So that, But then, in 1986, the Challenger space shuttle exploded. The wreckage of the Challenger fell in the exact location. <laughs> Another tragedy happened. 
where John Meyer believes that the planes have go- had gone down. Salvage teams looking for the Challenger ex- uh, discovered a plane approximately 400 feet down below the surface, but they believe that the wreckage was that of a twin-engine DC-3, and so they ignored it. Which, okay. Oh, that's just some that's other just plane. That's just a different plane. We don't need that. I mean, I guess it's not what they were looking for, but still. Let that be the house to an octopus. <laughs> But for John Meyer, this discovery was strong evidence to support his theory, and so he was finally able to get the funding or whatever it is he needed, and began using a submersible to dive the 400 feet down, and he found basically exactly what he had theorized. The sunken plane had all of the unique features of an Avenger, and they described them in the show, but I, I didn't write that down. It has some sort of window that has, like, a cross to it. And right, and, like, the design of the bomb bay, because the plane was sunk upside down, you could see what it looked like, and it yeah. matched an Avenger. Uh, they showed the picture. It seemed reasonable to me. Right. The only question that remained was if this was one of the Avengers from Flight 19. So these- or just some other plane. <laughs> that I was like, is it really that? Im- I guess it is important. Yeah. But and how many of these planes were falling from the sky? It seems... <laughs> That, that part was shocking I to think me. the ocean is vast and apparently full of planes. I guess. So using the submersible, John and his team were able to pull some pieces off of the plane, but none of them contained a serial number. John says that the only way to know for sure is to raise the entire plane, which they hadn't done at this point. Yeah, because an octopus lives there and that's his home. Yeah, exactly. So Robert Stack says something that I actually found quite pretty profound he says that it's not romantic to think that flight 19 went down due to a series of tragic mistakes but if john meyer is correct that's exactly what happened so that's kind of the gist of the whole bermuda triangle thing is like could it be paranormal could the plane have vanished into the supernatural vortex yeah or it was just some guy i mean if you want to add a more paranormal aspect to it with this story is what made the compass compass malfunction malfunction. but it's only one compass it's not even all of their compasses right so yeah um, and that is something that i've heard happens in the bermuda triangle is compasses malfunction but i guess i would want to know like how often do compasses malfunction other places i mean is that something that never happens anywhere except the bermuda triangle yeah. And I what, I what I will say about this segment is that I wish they would have explored the supernatural part of it a little more, because what a lot of people say is that Flight 19 vanished. Right. Into another dimension or something, and they right. really don't go to, into that at all. They spend a lot of time talking about the more logical... They somehow flew into the past. Right. So that sounds interesting to me, but uh, that's yeah. not what this segment is about. So, um... And then Robert Sachs says that the victims of Flight 19 deserve to be remembered not as victims of the supernatural, but as brave men who died in service to their country. I thought that part was weird because they showed the reenactors at that part. I was like, don't They could have shown pictures of the flight crew. I was like, where are the photos of that? It's like, remember these pilots? Here are the actors who played them. And it was a very dramatic, like, shot, like, panning over all of them. And it's it's like, like, you don't have photos of the actual pilots? I'm supposed to remember these actors? I know. A little odd. So, update. Aviation archaeologist John Meyer raised this Avenger wreck in 1990, certain that it was one of the lost five, but he and his associates were never able to positively identify the plane. Some of the serial numbers on various parts of the aircraft did match those of one of the lost five, but there has been no update and no definite resolution to the case. So, it's in all likelihood probably one of the planes, but they don't have enough information to say definitively. Yeah, it sounds like it is. It sounds like it probably is. Okay. And this is a brief, brief update. There might be more to the story. Maybe they've done some more research since then. I didn't look it up. Um, but yeah, that was the Bermuda okay. Triangle. Okay. Flight 19. Flight 19. Yeah, not a, the worst segment. I did, like like you said, kind of want it to be more spooky. But I also liked that they talked about like the most likely scenario. Yeah, I kind of problem with that segment i guess i just hope we get a different bermuda triangle segment this is like a different take on it yeah me too because yeah there's a bunch of stories and you can look at it different ways yep and this was yeah much more we could do a bermuda triangle thing for patreon oh maybe if we we could find a documentary i don't know if there's any out there but probably is because there's lots i wrote down for this segment maybe don't name your ship cyclops (laughs) and i think that was they showed a photo of other things that had disappeared in the yeah, and did. one of them was Cyclops. Uh-huh. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me. No, that's bad, you too. Yeah. Anyway, now we get to the case of Jackie Motherfucking Dragon. That is her <laughs> last name, folks. Jackie 
dragon i love it it's amazing do you wish your last name was dragon yes Samantha dragon that would be amazing yeah anyway this opens with we see a young reenactor jackie watching old prison movies about women in prison in the most glorious 70s girls bedroom with the most fabulous floral bedspread and i want it oh yeah and her hair and the her outfit the whole thing it's so good so anyway, so she talks about how she always felt inexplicably drawn to watching things about women in prison. Why is that noteworthy? Well, Jackie was adopted and eventually decided she should find out about her birth mother. And it turned out that her mother had her in prison and that's why she gave her up for adoption. I also love the reenactment of kid Jackie, who's wearing the most fabulously all rainbow stripes outfit and has the big red curly hair rummaging through rummaging her parents through, stuff like she was they were like like most children like jackie got into some mischief or something like that <laughs> and it shows her like rummaging through her dad's closet and she found this like lockbox of all his important papers which is a smart thing that i should probably have and in it she found her adoption records yep and that's when she realized that she had been born in a prison. Right. So when she got older, she decided to actually track down her birth mother and just sort of find... And she was so nice and sweet when talking. She was like, I just kind of wanted to know if, you know, what happened to her and if she was okay. And it was really sweet. It's so sweet. I do think that Jackie, like, they have this whole thing at the beginning of how she liked to watch prison documentaries. <laughs> I think Jackie was just, like, one of us. Like, she would be, like, a true crime <laughs> podcast yeah. fan if, if she was here today. Like, if she was a teenager today. I was not quite seeing the connection to that that she was. I was like, so you just like a good campy old movie like right. you should yeah it doesn't ever work. yeah you also wore this amazing all rainbow stripes outfit seems like you got good taste jackie <laughs> but um and they also show reenactments of her mother marge like in prison pregnant and they picked like the sweetest most demure looking actress to play her like she looks like so rosy yeah, i know and innocent and she's like waddling with her giant <laughs> belly but looks like 14 and you're just like oh what a poor sweet innocent thing i'm so sad she had to give her baby up for adoption it's like so manipulative at the heartstrings where you're like oh i want them to get back together oh yeah it works so jackie eventually gets marge's number which is her birth mother and just calls her up and asks if she has time to talk which i just (laughs) i hope that's exactly how it's like Oh, does this date mean anything to you? Yep. My name is this. Do you have time to talk to me? And then Marge is like, of course I do, hun, or whatever. And then they just talk for a couple hours, and it just seemed so sweet and cute. It, it was really and adorable. I was like, oh, I'm so glad that Marge like wants to talk to her. And Jackie was like, yeah, it was great, because I could ask any question, and she would answer it. <laughs> she had like, no qualms about you know it was really like a really open and honest but like the questions she was like i wanted to know who had red hair in the family because i like no one else around me ever had red hair as a kid i was like that was so cute and then in the conversation marge is like oh i've been wondering when i if i might hear from one of you girls dun 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 Uh it turns out that jackie has two sisters born at different times that marge also had to give up for adoption and you hear a little bit about those stories. One of the cases, she didn't really willingly give the kid up for adoption, and that was super sad. I know. She got, like, manipulated into signing some paperwork, and she thinks it's because her grandmother wanted the baby, but then the state decided that her grandmother was too old, so the baby just got put in the system, and... It's so awful how these things keep happening. We have another story coming up yeah. about kids taken from their parents yeah and it's like it's just terrible and then another baby she had for like 10 months but then decided that she didn't really have the resources to give it the best life so she ended up giving up that one too and when she's talking about it she just said like look i knew that these kids deserved better and i i couldn't give them everything they needed she's yeah she's she keeps marge keeps it very real yeah so what ends up happening, of course, is that Unsolved Mysteries gets Jackie and her two sisters together. What were her sisters' names? Shoot. I don't remember. 
Okay, one's Dawn Marie. And one's Laura May. <laughs> oh my goodness. So cute. So cute. So then they reunite and I don't know. That's about it. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, March had been in jail for armed robbery, but it doesn't seem like she was a, a repeat offender. No, in fact, they said that she like got back on track as soon as she got out of prison when she had. Yeah. Um, so according to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, yeah, this is solved. The night of the broadcast, Laura May and Don Marie were both located. Laura May was married and living in Mississippi. Don Marie, whose adopted name was Susan, was living in Santa Barbara. Three months after the broadcast, they got them all together at Jackie's home in Glendale. Sadly, Marge has passed away. She died October 30th, 2013. So they had some years. Yeah, they had some time together, and it seemed like Marge had been concerned that her daughters would be very judgmental of her, and I'm sure it was a hard decision to give them away, Um, but I think they got it. Yeah, they totally understood. In fact, they didn't seem concerned at all. They were like, whatever, no big deal. I sort of feel like being in prison is a pretty good reason yeah i mean it's not like she gave them up because she just didn't want them right yeah it's like she had no she had no choice so i'm sure in their minds they understood yeah it's like it's it's hard to take that one personally i guess i mean i don't know that anyone should ever but i could see how you would but in this case it's like oh you were in prison right okay yeah (laughs) um and i mean i'm just glad they all it's it's a it's not a like big story but it is sweet and this person's last name is literally dragon and she kind of looks like trixie mattel she does yeah 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 i like her a lot (laughs) that's all for that mystery well if you didn't get enough lost loves and stolen children from that one yeah we got we got another one in this episode so this, like I said, is a lost love. Robert Stack comes through a door into his gentleman's study at the beginning of yeah, this one. The huge gentleman's study. Yeah. So many globes. Yes. So much so much square footage. So much leather. So, so much, much leather. Yeah. So many cows died for that gentleman's study. <laughs> I just think I thought it was hilarious how he just like comes through the door. Like, oh, hello. Did you know I was home? They're also leaning into the Robert Stack walk and talk in this one. Yeah, that's true. So he says something, um, oh, he says, when a family is torn apart, the scars can last a lifetime. <gasps> Which definitely doesn't ring true today. So this story <laughs> yeah. is... Of, no relevance. As we talk about people just stealing children and putting them into adoption, yeah. I'm glad that we're not going to bring politics into it, because <laughs> frankly, there's just no parallels. So this is the story of the Heck children. The Heck family, which consists of Delbert, Florence, Jim, Sharon, and Doris, those are all the children, is searching for their long-lost brother, Tommy. The Heck family was made up of six siblings who lived with their parents in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Ten-year-old Delbert Heck Jr. was the, quote, man of the household because their father was always away from home. Delbert and his mother often went to drastic measures to provide for the family. In August of 1944, a social worker visited the family. There was little food in the house. There was little food in the house, and the house wasn't clean. The social worker felt that the children were living in inadequate conditions. Yeah, it was just it was sad. It's sad because no ten-year-old should have that much responsibility. But also, like, what could they do? Right. And yes, they were not living in great conditions. But I don't think the solution to that is to take all the children. No. Like. Get them some fucking food. Yeah. Get them some help so they can stay together. Get them like, some housing. Like, yeah. It's messed up. Support Wick, everyone. Yeah. This is bullshit. Not bringing politics into it. People need to be able to feed their children. And because, feed themselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, it sounds like we're dealing with kind of a deadbeat dad situation. And... It, what, the, the children shouldn't have to suffer for that. And no. neither should she. And so. not only were the children taken away, but the, all the children were separated. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's, that's not best for it's anybody. It's not the solution. No. So, How about food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know. So through- ah, I'm so angry. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to calm down. Okay. I know. All right. It's, this is, this is hard. It, it just is. These are really emotional stories sometimes. It's hard not to get worked up about them. I know. And it's like, it's not like we've come that far, you know? It's no. It's like look over like it's yeah it's infuriating so three months later the state of iowa took the huck children away and it was so sad so they were talking and i forget which of the children it was one of the girls in present day one of the women was talking about how 
when they came to take them away, they said that they were going to go to a movie and they had never been to a movie before. So they were like, awesome. Like, this is going to be great. They all load them up into the car. And then she remembers looking out the window and seeing her mom on the porch crying. Yeah. And she was like, I knew when I saw that, that something was not right. And that's true because they were getting taken away. I know. It's awful. So then Robert Stack talks about how they were split up like windblown seeds. I know. It's poetic and just heartbreaking. This, so three of the children were I adopted. I just to cry. Oh my god! The other three stayed in orphanages. Uh, and one of the girls, they would lock her in the closet because she was crying because she missed her siblings. Yeah. And their solution to that was to lock her in the closet, and she had to sleep in there. Uh, yeah, it makes me want to cry. What? Yeah. I think she would have been happier at home sleeping on that mattress on the floor. Eating, yeah. Yes, they were eating puffed rice, but like... So what? Maybe get them some food and then they can stay together. Like, ah, it's so terrible. So Florence then seven was placed in one orphanage. While Jim and Delbert were placed in another, Florence would often spend the night crying in her bed. One of the orphanage caretakers would place her in a closet in order to keep her quiet. So that's... She was like, you're not traumatized enough. I have the solution. I know. It's locking you in a closet. Delbert was placed in a foster home where he spent most of the time working on their farm. Yeah. He was fostered out of people that just wanted a farmhand. Yep. And they just have a reenactment of him like a 10-year-old building a fence. (laughs) No. Finally, in 1952, Florence, Jim, and Delbert were returned to their mother. Sadly, Miss Heck passed away without ever seeing her other three children. The Hecks later learned that one-year-old Sharon had been adopted by the Jones family and renamed Doressa. Five-year-old Doris was adopted by the West family and renamed Sally. They did not learn, however, where three-year-old Tommy had gone. In 1970, Sally and Doressa were reunited, and they began searching for their birth family. Finally, in 1989, Sally and Doressa were able to locate their three siblings, and they were all reunited. They have this reenactment of them, like, the two sisters who have been reunited first. Like, they're so nervous to meet their siblings. I know. They were they're like, They're walking what do I do? up to the house holding hands because, like, these are grown-ass women. I know. They're walking up to the house holding hands because they're... They're nervous. nervous. And then they get in there and everyone's like hugging and yeah, like it was crying so with relief to see. It, I know. <laughs> it's well, and it's so sweet because I forget if it was Sally or Dressa, but one of them were talking about like, what do we do when we see them? Like, do we hug them? Do we shake hands? Do we stand back? And then she said that as soon as they saw each other, it was like they had never been apart. And it was the. I mean, of course, only people in the Midwest would be like, when I see my long-lost siblings, should we shake hands? (laughs) So true. (laughs) What if they're not huggers? (laughs) (laughs) So true. So, um... They, so the five siblings <laughs> hope to find their last missing sibling, Tommy. We So it is solved. We never see the, reun- the reunion, but we do see on screen that Tommy Heck's adoptive cousin was watching the broadcast and called the telecenter. Within a few weeks, Tommy, who is now Thomas Wood, was reunited with his siblings. Sadly, Delbert Heck Jr. passed away in 2003 at the age of 69. Sally Heck Bell, sounds like she hyphenated her name, has also since passed away. I'm just glad that they got reunited. And no. I hope one of them wasn't like a real jerk. Wouldn't that have been... That would have been weird. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. And then you're like talking to them and you're like, oh. <laughs> These years have not been kind. Which they hadn't. No. So... But, yeah, I mean... But yeah, thank you Unsolved Mysteries for finding Tommy. That's yeah, really nice. It was really, I'm happy they all got reunited. Two... At least the Jackie story is a happier one. Because two, like, lost love adoption stories is is a lot for the heart to take. It really is. And at least Jackie's mother was still alive when yeah. they were all reunited, so they all got to spend some time together. And they Their weren't. mother died without seeing half of her children again. And they, it's not like the sisters knew each other before right. going into adoption. I didn't say yeah, that it's not right, like well, whatever. it's not like they were torn apart, you know. Right, they didn't even know. So they, they that one was more of like a curiosity, like right. oh, I would like and to a know. pleasant surprise to yeah. find out I have two sisters. But this other one is just like <laughs> completely God. awful. God damn it! I know. Okay, I know. Whoa! All right, we're doing a wanted now. Um, it opens with gunfire. Ooh. Um, 
It opens with gunfire. It's 1990. We are. This is the story of C.W. Roddy, who was a 60-year-old woman who was shot in the stomach in her own home. So what happened was her neighborhood, um, I think... This was outside of Stockton? It was in Palo Alto, California. So it's in Palo Alto. Her neighborhood has been taken over by drug dealers to the point where... And I like that Unsolved Moisturies pointed out. The problem is that rich people from white neighborhoods were driving to this neighborhood to buy drugs. But it got to the point that it's like a drive-up window (laughs) where there's honestly cars like... Lined up. Gridlock traffic and multiple drug dealers would come out to like haggle and try to sell their wares. Yeah. What? It's crazy. But the police department was apparently like too small to be able to really do anything about it. Which baffles me. Yes. In a day and age where we have militarized our police force. Seriously. It's like the police. I was like, you don't can't bring in like the DEA or to the point where it's so brazen that cars are lining up down the block to go oh let's see what drugs are for sale today <laughs> let's go get the price like yeah it's like a drive up wi- literally when Liz is a drive up window in the reenactment they show people on like stools just like sitting there waiting for the car yeah. to pull up and they would get yeah, up so they and don't have to stand yeah <laughs> this is not like you know when you see a a couple people like standing on the corner and you know that they're selling drugs but, but it's still kind of secret yeah and then someone like yells the cops are coming or what yeah this is like oh we have a drug selling business that's <laughs> basically a lemonade stand and you can just you, everybody knows where it is and you can just yeah it's up. what was her name it's her driveway yeah so cw roddy who is talented like it is and is a tough bird oh yeah was like look your home is your castle, and I don't give a shit what you do in your house. But you can't sell drugs in front of my house. That affects my life. And I was like, that was really legit. Yeah. That makes total sense. So she, like, goes outside and is, like, telling the boys to move along. <laughs> because she doesn't want all these cars buying drugs right in front of her house. Yeah. And they all, like, yell at her that, no, it's, like, their spot, and they're not going to move. Well, and it's not just her house, either. It's, like, the whole, she's really becoming an advocate for the whole neighborhood, because she said that, like, the, the kids couldn't play in the park anymore because it was just thick with drug dealers. Yeah. It's, like, really out of control yeah. in a hilarious, almost hilarious way, but also sad for the neighborhood. Right. You just... It sounds like the sort of thing someone in Dare would warn you about, and you'd be like, that's not how this fucking works. (laughs) But in this case... It is. It was. So, she, she like, goes out... She's, like, sort of getting known to the drug dealers as a problem, and at one point, they show a reenactment of her going out to, like, yell at them to stop it, and a guy in a fringy jean jacket... (laughs) punches her in, in the, the face, face and then she punches him back <laughs> she's my hero she is tough as nails and they are all honestly these drug dealers are brave to fuck with her because i would not no so this escalates and we see a law enforcement official saying for some reason and palo alto new year's eve is celebrated with gunfire <laughs> People just like to shoot their guns into the air. And he was kind of saying, like, that's fine, as long as you're not pointing them at someone's house. He was like, it baffles me, but whatever. What what are you going to do? That's what they do in Palo Alto. Um, Yeah, I've been places where people do that. That's not my favorite New Year's Eve celebration tactic. Please do not just fire guns into the air. Those bullets go somewhere. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, and wasn't it Mythbusters who proved that like if you shoot a gun into the air, it can come down and if it, and hit someone and kill them? Yeah. So don't it's be going doing somewhere. That. Like, yeah. Whether or not it still has the whatever trajectory, right. speed, I don't know, gun things <laughs> to hurt you, but it could. Yeah. So don't do that, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> anyway, so. C.W. Roddy is in bed. It's New Year's Eve. She hears gunfire, and then she's like, ugh, that. Right? She's, like, not even alarmed because she (laughs) knows what her neighborhood's like. But then she realizes people are shooting into her house through her windows, and 
in her trying to like dock and get out of the way she ends up shot in the stomach yeah well fortunately her son darnell is there thank god her son was there and he calls the police and they actually had new neighbors who had just moved in and they were witnesses to the whole thing Mm -hmm. so um including her one neighbor that had come to her rescue at one point and got like beat up to the point where they had to take him to the hospital i forgot about that yeah yeah so they were already on her side yep also, I kind of want to point out, so this whole time, C.W. Roddy, because she's so annoyed at these drug dealers, has been, like, writing down license plates for the police and stuff like that. At one point, she was, uh, at one point, she was threatened in front of a police officer, and he, and was, he was like, do you want to make a citizen's arrest? I'm like, why can't you arrest him? Yeah. I don't even understand how they, that works. Robert Stack tries to excuse this police department as being, like, too small and ill-equipped. I also think, for whatever reason, they didn't want to do no. anything. Because they clearly could have done more. He was sitting right there. From what it looked like in the reenactment, it was a few feet away. This guy blatantly said, I'm going to blow up your house. And she's like, officer, did you hear that? And he's like, yeah, you want to do something about it? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, no, basically nothing came There's no it. reason why all of this should be falling on this civilian woman. She's no. not law enforcement in any way. This is not her job. Also, she has to do all this cooperation with the police. And she has a black son. Like, yeah. That is risky for her uh-huh. and her family. Like, that's brave enough. Like, she shouldn't have to be uh, put in this situation. No. So anyway, when the police do come and investigate this, they find th- bullets from three different kinds of weapons, including an Uzi, who <laughs> was shot into her house. Yeah. At which point, thank the Lord, this ill-equipped police department calls on the FBI. Yeah, finally. Finally. Um, And so what we hear is that the attack had galvanized the neighborhood because maybe people were kind of willing to look the other way about the drug dealing, but... Shooting into an old woman's home. Yes! We were like, okay, I put my foot down. So they show as an example that the mothers took over the neighborhood park, Mm -hmm. that all of the mothers started bringing their children there and like... I guess forcing the drug dealers out yeah. because they were all there. So they call this the beginning of change. And Robert Sack says, out of the near tragedy of Mrs. Roddy's brush with death, the rebirth of her neighborhood has begun. I loved how hopeful she was at the end when they were interviewing her and she was like, "Things have, I've started seeing things change. It didn't happen overnight. I don't expect it to happen overnight, but we're moving in a positive direction. I thought that was yeah. very hopeful. She's very realistic and down to earth. Yeah. And I don't think they ever caught the people who did this. No. But I hope that things worked out for her. And, and they said for the time being, the drug dealers have stopped yeah. conducting their business in front of her house. And hopefully it kept moving in the right direction. Yeah. So. Ugh. Anyway. You know, it took a horrible thing to happen, but yeah. finally. At least she was okay. And I, I guess. Mean, they, not that she should have been shot in the yeah. stomach, but. She was all right, and her son was all right, and... Yeah, hopefully... She's a badass bitch. Hell yeah. Don't fuck with that woman. Nope. That's the lesson. <laughs> also, did my Unsolved Mysteries wiki on this fail to print out, so I don't know if there's any more to say about this case. Yeah. That's all I remember. True. Yeah. So right. you did that from memory? Well, I have some I'm notes. I'm so impressed. Yeah. I have some notes here, but... Good job. <laughs> Pat on the back for us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Should we rate this episode? Yes. Okay. Mysteriousness. Um, Would you say that the Bermuda Triangle one was mysterious? It really wasn't because I totally believe that explanation. Yeah. And I think... If but it, I still think the Bermuda Triangle is kind of mysterious. But so the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle as a subject is mysterious, but, but the that segment, segment wasn't, wasn't mysterious. Super mysterious. And then we have two adoption cases and both of those were solved. Yeah. And then we have, I guess we don't know who, which drug dealers shot into our house, but that's not very mysterious either. No, so I'm a thumbs down. Yeah, agreed. Reenactments. Fine. They were good. Sideways. The, I thought the plane reenactments were Actually, pretty good. yeah. However that, they did that. That must have been pretty complicated. So, yeah. sure. They showed thumbs up for planes that. flying. Yeah, so thumbs up. At one point, they're all in a lifeboat, and they have this aerial shot of them just like in the middle of the ocean, and I was like, how did they do that? Yeah. That was impressive. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was just a pool somewhere in California. I don't but know. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty good fashion. Okay. I love the fashion when Jackie Dragon meets her sisters. Oh, yeah. Well, all of Jackie Dragon's fashion is great. And then her sisters also have incredible 80s, 90s fashion. 
and all the hair is so big and all the prints are so bold and a lot of jean jackets a lot of high-waisted a lot of acid yeah. wash jeans someone's wearing like some sort of tropical floral romper mm-hmm. um jumpsuit situation yeah so, i definitely think it's a thumbs up thumbs up for that segment all alone and robert stack we didn't see much of him he was on the airstrip uh, yeah i guess we got some talk and walk is he wearing like the most ridiculously high pants this episode or is it the next episode both i'm pretty sure maybe it was last episode he's wearing pants like humphrey bogart high yes. and i don't is it is it the 40s <laughs> i don't understand they seem really high super high it just makes his torso look really small uh-huh i don't know not the best choice we did see the khaki trench coat but yeah actually you get like a really bold shot of him in the khaki khaki trench coat with some good backlight going mm-hmm. so he looks oh yeah at the very beginning it was just solid blue behind him yeah so i guess eh, thumbs up hesitant thumbs up yeah sure all right what's your recommendation this week sometimes recommendations are the hardest part of the show i know why did we decide to do this i don't know my recommendation i'm gonna get this way out before thanksgiving is to make your own damn cranberry sauce Ooh, that's a good recommendation (laughs) if you grew up with canned cranberry sauce and you're nostalgic for it and you like it that's fine just also make some give it a try it's really not that hard it's really really not and you can sweeten it to your taste if you're not like super into the really sweet cranberry sauce you just put less sugar in it all you really need to do okay you buy two bags i'm gonna walk you through it you buy two bags of cranberries there's any ones that are weird and white throw those away okay (laughs) you got to get out a stock pot or some big pan Mm -hmm. you need some liquid in the bottom of your pan I used the, like, water juice from mandarin oranges. It could just be water. Yeah. Put that in there. Put your cranberries in there. You need, like, the zest of an orange. Yep. And, yeah, I put the mandarin oranges in there. That's probably not really necessary, but I like my cranberry sauce a little orangey. This is my mom's recipe. We should all give credit to her. Mama Walker. Okay. So you just cook... Those cranberries low on the stove. For and a if long you're time. like my mom, you put a cup of sugar in. Yeah, and then you just sweeten its taste. And it's going to take a lot of sugar because cranberries are pretty tart. Pretty tart. Plus, it. You just cook it for a long time. It makes your house smell great. Uh-huh. And then you basically get to eat a big bowl of jam, which is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and it's lovely. Also, wash it down with some cranberry wine from Trader Joe's. Yes. If you listen back to our episode where we had Arden on. She, and she mentioned mango the wine. mango wine from Trader Jones. The cranberry is so good. It's a cranberry prosecco. It's delicious. It's pretty sweet. If you like a dry wine, well, you're out of luck. But it's lovely. It's so good. I had to ask for it at Trader Joe's because I'm dumb and I couldn't find it. And the guy who helped me was like, oh, I had this last year for Thanksgiving. I brought a case and we finished it before we even got to the food. Which is amazing. That's how good. First of all, that guy's Thanksgiving is lit. And I'm a little bit (laughs) sad he didn't invite me. But also, that's how good it is. I could just put a giant straw in the bottle and just drink the whole thing, honestly. (laughs) They also, Trader Joe's has a pumpkin spice, I don't know how to say this word, rooibos? Rubos tea? Rooibos is right. Okay. I knew Samantha would know. And it's lovely. If I'm you're like pretty me, sure I need to go to Trader Joe's today. If you're like me and you don't drink coffee, this is how you can get some pumpkin spice in your life. Is it it's decaf? Just, yes. Okay, good. Because I only well, I should have known that you only drink decaf. Yeah, I drink decaf tea at night, so I might need to get some because it's I also want to go to Trader really, Joe's really and get some of that honey crisp apple cider. Yes, because that was delicious. And you can get a cinnamon broom. <laughs> Liz has a broom <laughs> made out of cinnamon, and it smells so good in here. Trader Joe's sells these weird little witchy brooms that are made out of the sticks of a cinnamon tree, and you're supposed to sweep your house with it, so it smells cinnamony. And every year, I hold it up to Mac, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this cinnamon broom. And this year, he was just like, well, why don't you? So I did! And now the house smells You're great. an adult. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. If you want to get the cinnamon broom, you can get the cinnamon broom. This is broom. not an ad for Trader Joe's. So if Trader <laughs> Joe's would like to send us some products, I'm all about it. Send me some of that wine, Trader Joe's. Yeah, we'll take... Apparently, they also have pear and strawberry wine in the same brand. Yeah. I'm going to get one of each. I'll report back. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm recommending a podcast. 
Okay. I just discovered it's new-ish, I think. I'm not sure how long it's been around, but it doesn't have a ton of episodes. It's from the How Stuff Works Network, okay. which has a bunch of podcasts that I really enjoy. And it's called Behind the Bastards. And I saw this oh. recommended on a, a Facebook group we're in for podcasters. And I particularly... So I've not listened to all their episodes, but I've listened to quite a few, and they're pretty good. Um, the premise of the show is that the host tells a story of someone throughout history who is terrible to a comedian guest. They're all they've all the ones I've been listened to have been really funny. The one I want to recommend specifically is they recently did a three-part series on Alex Jones. Oh now, shit. I never I'm thought so in. I never thought I would recommend anything that has to do with Alex Jones, but listen. No, 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 no. I'm so into this. It's both hilarious and extremely cathartic. If right now you the balm that your soul needs is a story of an asshole getting what's coming to him. Yeah, you need to listen to this. So it's three parts, which is awesome. There's a lot of content. The first one is they're all funny, but the first one is hilarious and kind of fun. The second one is rage inducing, mm-hmm, which, as mm-hmm. you'd expect from Alex Jones, also funny though. And the third one is amazing. I was like practically cheering when I was listening to this in my car. It was it's I'm so, so good. excited. I'm so listening. To this. Highly recommend Behind the Bastards. They have other ones like I listened to their two parter on. Uh, Ronald Reagan's response to the AIDS epidemic. Oh, shit. That one's really good. I listened to it while I was walking the dogs. Um, yeah, they're so far, they've been really good. So I highly recommend that podcast. I've really been enjoying it. I subscribed and I'm going to keep listening. Yeah, listen to the Alex Jones one. It's oh really my good. God. Yeah, I totally will. Because recently, as you know, Alex Jones has been deplatformed finally. Yeah. And so he's really getting what's coming to him and they tell it all. And they go into like his, the history when he first started and like all kinds of things you. More than you ever wanted to know about Alex Jones, but also, like, yeah, it's just, just really good. Just listen. I'm so excited. Yeah. I totally will. Well, as I eat my cranberry sauce and drink my cranberry wine. just That sounds like a perfect day. I mean, I'm not going outside. No. <laughs> Although, I, it looks like the snow's kind of slowed down a little bit. Down. But I but still it's see... sticking to things. Yeah, this is our first measurable snow of the year in the Twin Cities. I know up north you've had, had snow for a while, but this is too much. I'm not... No. Snow before Halloween no, you, is unacceptable to me. I agree. I realized this year we had an April blizzard, so I'm... No. Climate change, you guys, but, like, I'm... Snow on Halloween, okay, I get it. Everyone in Minnesota talks about the Halloween blizzard forever and ever. I feel like a lot of times in Illinois, too, snow started on Halloween. Yeah, because you, you go trick-or-treating and you would have your cute outfit, and then you'd have to wear your winter snow coat over it. Because it started snowing a little bit, and your mom didn't want you to get cold, and then you it ruined your ballerina costume. I know. <laughs> That's growing up in Minnesota for you. Mm. Yep. So I, I actually had a bet going with a child of when the first snow would be, and I think I had no, November 2nd. Oh, God. So I lost. What do you owe that child? literally nothing <laughs> thank goodness all right is that it for us today should we I plug our ship it so we're on the social medias at perhaps it's you facebook twitter instagram if you want to email us a paranormal tale or the time you met robert stack that's perhaps it's you gmail perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com i cannot speak and i don't know what words talking are. is hard but you know you can also do you can go to perhaps it's you.com where you can find all kinds of information about the show you can see everything we've ever recommended and we also have a contact form that'll go directly to our email so you don't even need to remember it yes oh and i have one other update that i almost forgot which was that if you remember from our q a episode i promised to make a pay- playlist and oh, i yeah. did that over our, our hiatus and i posted that in our facebook group which is the perhaps, perhaps it's, it's you, you official, official Facebook group or something. something. You can find it it's if you search the only for it. One. Yeah, I posted it there. I posted it on Twitter. I also made like a Halloween playlist. Check it out. Yeah, uh, I think we've chosen what we're going to watch for Patreon this month. Patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. We're going to watch an S. An episode of SVU. I'm so excited. And we're going to watch one of the newer ones, because SVU is still on, and neither Liz nor I have watched modern nope. modern seasons of SVU. I'm really excited to do it. So, yeah. If you have a recommendation, of if you're still keeping up on Law & Order SVU, and there's like a particularly good episode of recent... See, I mean, when was I the last time you watched? One... There's a, we get picked oh from a lot. Oh my god, yeah. It's been forever. I saw one that I feel like we should do, because it a little bit ties in, but I don't know if it's good. I yeah. just saw the description. That there's one about a celebrity chef. Ooh, I think we might need to do that one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so it's the Kitchen Nightmares yes. SVU episode, maybe? So that's going to be fun. Like I said, perhaps it's you. Uh, Patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. Check yeah. it out. Any mo- amount of money can get you that bonus episode. And our collection of bonus episodes. 
which um, are all great. Yep. They're all jewels in the desert, They're just like Samantha. <laughs> definitely worth your dollar a month. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Is it? Uh, maybe. Oh, uh, hi. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Go solve some mysteries, bitches. Bye.